Hello and welcome to the Emotion Focus Podcast, a series all about emotions, how they work for us, how sometimes seemingly they don't work for us, and what we can do to understand that better. I'm Lou Cooper, I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, and I'm joined in this series by people from around the globe who have dedicated most of their professional lives to the exploration of emotions. Everything you hear on this podcast will be informed by emotion theory and by emotion-focused therapy. And in this episode, we ask the question, can we learn empathy? And in a series all about emotions, you might be asking, what has empathy got to do with emotions? We'll look at that as well. And I'm joined in this quest by Professor Emeritus Robert Elliott, who is the co-developer of emotion-focused therapy, a celebrated researcher, trainer, author, and who recently retired from his position as Professor of Counselling at the University of Strathclyde in Scotland. You can read more about Robert on our website, emotionfocus.com, but rather than talk about them. I'd much rather to talk to them. So a very warm welcome to you, Robert. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Lou. Okay, it's nice to be here. So the question, can we learn about empathy? I think maybe we need to ask the question first, how does empathy fit in with emotions? Well, I'm a person who loves words. I've loved loved words and language since I was a small child. And um, I love to see where words come from. And um, the word empathy uh, comes from Greek, which means to feel into. So the path is actually the Greek word for, for feeling, uh, or one of the Greek words for feeling. And so um, empathy is to feel into something. Originally, in the 19th century, it was a work of art. But, you know, in the 20th century, it became in, feel, feeling into another human being often a person who was in, in suffering in some way. So, yeah, it's got everything to do with, with emotion. Yeah, so if we feel into something, we feel into our own emotions, other people's emotions, do, do we do this naturally? Yes, uh, we are born with uh, a certain capacity for emotionally resonating with other people, you know, small, you know this small baby. Um, this is part of our, if we're at least if we're neurotypical, it's part of our basic equipment. So uh, first, of course, um, letting ourselves feel the emotions of people around us, and then um, with time, beginning to have be able to feel our own emotions uh, to reflect on them uh, with development. So you use the word resonating. What does resonating mean? Well, there are a collection of of metaphors which help us to understand what we mean by empathy and resonating uh, uh, or being in tune with uh, is one of my favorite metaphors for the empathic process. Um, and uh, for me, it's um, it's like a, the metaphor is like a bell or maybe even better, a tuning fork. And um, uh, I think about singing in, um, in groups of people. I mean, I'm part of it community where we sing together and um, the sense uh, that you feel in your chest when you're singing in harmony with people around you 
that's a lovely metaphor uh, for um, for empathy. So as you're saying that, when you talk about singing, I sing too, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Does that mean that you are more likely to feel empathy for someone who is, I, I don't know, on the same vibration as you or in the same, has the same vibe as you? It's certainly easier to um, um, pick up um, someone on the same frequency, right? If we can kind of use a, or maybe a radio metaphor. It's certainly easier. But of course, it's, it's, you know, I think we really dig deeper into empathy when we think about how we can resonate with people who are different from us. So can we get better at this? That's the question. Uh, the question of of the show today, right? Uh, can we? And and I've got various answers to this because, of course, I spent a big part of my life studying this and 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 teaching people about it. But the short answer is is I think yes, within limits and under the right conditions. And it's so much is going to depend upon you know what are the limits of how well and how much empathy can we learn, and what are the conditions that help us to do that. So why would we want to do that? I mean, that's a it might sound a silly question because there's a sense that empathy is a good thing, right? But yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. what does it mean if we can be more empathic? Well, uh, try doing without it. <laughs> For me, that's when I when I run empathy trainings. I like to start with an exercise that I borrowed from Bill Miller, uh, which is you know spend five minutes trying to convince something to do something that would be good for them. Uh, giving them advice and things, and see how well that works for you and the other person. Um, and um, that's usually enough for for my students to become convinced that empathy is pretty important. So empathy does lots of things for us. Um, but the thing I like the most about empathy is it enriches us as human beings. It helps gives us kind of a, a more depth and richness to who we are. Every time we come to know another human being empathically to understand what it's like to be them, we add to the sum of our own experiences. We, in a sense, enlarge ourselves, and, and we, are, we are changed by the process of, of coming to understand another person. And I think, you know, you know in many ways, the, or in general, the, the more different they are from us, the more we have to gain, and the more it can enrich us. So we learn from others, but we're also forming relationship with others through empathy yeah yes i'm just speaking now here in a kind of almost selfish kind of way i'm not talking about the impact that being understood has on the person who's understood and how that that changes them and who they are and it also changes the connection between them and me um, this process of coming to know of understanding you mentioned earlier that when I asked you if um, empathy, you know, was a, is a natural something we're born with, and you said yes, if you're neurotypical. What if you're neuroatypical? What does that look like? Yes, yeah, so um, I think it's I think you can learn empathy, but you have to learn it more deliberately. There are roughly three different psychological processes and brain systems that are involved in empathy, one of which is this automatic kind of simulation or resonation with the people around us um, 
but there are two other processes which are essential for 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 empathy and one of those is a more deliberate process of imaginatively putting yourself into the other person's world imagining you know walking in their shoes is one of the metaphors or um, for me it's a, a child's house like we might have in our back garden or something you know these sort of small scale children's houses that are maybe not you know not more than two meters tall or something um used to be called a wendy house i don't know if they're still wendy house okay uh, uh, like uh wendy and i don't know peter pan and something like that yeah so so you, to get into them you have to duck um if you're an adult right and 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 that there's that entering process in there okay so that's an active deliberate process that uses newer parts of the brain and Folks who are on this, this autistic spectrum or folks who are, are neurodiverse, if they have trouble with the automatic resonance process, they can still use this more deliberate process. It's just that it takes longer. It's hard. They'll have to work at it, uh, and they might need some support. I mean, one of my, one of my colleagues uh, at the University of Strathclyde has developed an emotion-focused therapy for people on the autistic spectrum that involves you know, small groups of folks, like I think there are three people and, you know, they're recording sessions and then the, the therapist is playing moments of those sessions back for the, the folks and they learn empathy that way. You know, the freeze frame, it's more visual kind of slowing the process down um, in a group of people who share uh, experiences and, and um, uh, are also on the spectrum, you know, so, so, Clearly, you know, um, folks who are not uh, neurotypical uh, or neurodivergent, they can learn empathy too, but it may take maybe more work. So you said there's three systems. So we've had the automatic and there's more deliberate. Is, is it, what's the third one? Right. Yeah, you've been keeping track, right? Okay. So uh, the third one is an emotion regulation system. So if I'm going to resonate with another pe person's pain, or if I'm going to imaginatively put myself into their painful world, I'm going to begin to feel some of their pain myself. I'll, I'll access, some, access some of their pain, and it'll resonate in me, or it'll, you know, it'll begin to cause me pain. And um, our automatic natural response to that is to shut it down. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, human beings shut other people's pain down most commonly by giving them a, advice. So like, you know, count your blessings, yeah. chin up, you know, I mean, that's that kind of advice really trying to regulate our pain at their pain um, by shutting their pain down. So we want to move away from that. That's not helpful. Uh, that doesn't enrich or deepen relationships. It doesn't deep, enrich or deepen us. It makes us smaller, I think. That would be very challenging for a lot of people to actually, if you want, feel feel the pain rather than shut it down in a sort of protective way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean so some of us then get overwhelmed and swamped by that pain mm -hmm. and can't get out of it, and you know that's one of the causes of burnout in in people who are in the helping professions um, is this um, feeling swamped or overwhelmed, and that's that's another. I'm I'm going to call these empathy traps, um, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, one of the empathy traps is to let ourselves be just flooded by someone else's pain. Now, so we have developed abilities human be as human beings of recognizing when this is happening, 
when um, the shock of someone else's pain is starting to overwhelm us and uh, becoming aware of it. And what I find is useful is to to acknowledge that, I, that, that that's happening. This is a lot, you know, I, I would say to myself, this is a lot. And I can feel in myself, part of myself wanting to shut it off or, or close the door on it. And I basically say to myself, you know, it's a lot, but you can handle it. And uh, sort of recognizing and having empathy for my own distress and someone else's distress helps me to then regulate it um, and maybe spe- step back half a step or something, so I'm not drowning or floundering anymore. Um, so this this emotion regulation process allows us to stay in contact with the other person's pain in order to mobilize ways in which we could be helpful to them. So that's really, I think, an essential part of the empathy process is, is regulating our own emotion, some our own distress, and someone else's distress, so we can stay there and hang in there with them. As you're saying that, is describing, you know, you, you're not describing someone who has too much empathy. It's that you're describing someone who needs to further develop the skills with that empathy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, the the question about whether we can learn empathy is, you know, the more sort of nuanced answer to that um, is that, yes, and, but you have to work at it. Uh, and one of the things, you know, we have to do is we have to unlearn the habits of shutting out other people's distress. So there's a kind of, we kind of get socialized into not attending to, uh, the way in which we automatically resonate with people around us. Um, and we have to kind of unlearn that, that shutting out and, and, and to reclaim our natural ability to connect and, and resonate with others. So that's part of the process. It's part of the process, but I'm still wondering whether we can have too too much empathy. Whether that's that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that depends upon what you mean by empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a rela- set of related concepts. You know, like like identification. Um, like sympathy and you know some of these are what i'm calling empathy traps you know so over identifying with somebody else and seeing them exact as exactly like us that can cause problems because well first of all no two people are exactly alike and if we see them as exactly alike then we're not going to be so curious about them we'll say oh yeah i know that you know of course you feel that way uh and we're going to miss you know, the ways in which they're not exactly alike, we're going to be blinded to that. So that's one of the dangers of over-identification. The other one uh, is that we're going to just let ourselves be flooded and um, lose ourselves in that way. And then that's a, that's a road for, for, for um, burning out. Another one of the traps is sympathy, feeling sorry for the other person. And that can easily backfire because, well, people don't like to be pitied. Um, you know, if I'm feeling bad, I, I, I want your empathy, but I don't want you to feel sorry for me or to pity me because that, that diminishes me. That puts me in a one down position. That's another one of those empathy traps. Um, and if, if you, by empathy, you mean sympathy or over identification, then yes, there can be too much of that, but I don't think those are really empathy. Uh-huh. That's a really, really important distinction. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, there's a, a classic distinction that's made in our approach to you know between empathy and sympathy sympathy you know comes from the greek which means to feel the same thing 
empathy mean you know comes from the Greek, which means to feel into. So you want to feel into, but that doesn't mean necessarily feeling the same thing or the same as another person. It's complicated, Robert. Can we can we learn? It is complicated. Yeah, yeah, it is complicated. Yeah, yeah. And I think if we oversimplify empathy, I think that gets us in trouble. Okay, so can we can we learn this without someone like you teaching us? You know, can everyone get better at empathy? I think everyone can get better, and um, I've spent a good part of my life teaching empathy to folks. But but I think there there are a number of um, steps. I think it takes practice. I think we want to not oversimplify it when we're learning it because we can learn bad habits. And you know, one of the bad habits is thinking that empathy is just mirroring. You know, those mirroring responses, the so-called reflections. If we think that's empathy, um, then we're going to be sadly mistaken because those. Res- I've just finished a major literature review of research on. Um, mirroring responses are what are called empathic reflections, and and they don't actually predict outcomes in, in uh, certainly not in therapy and counseling. Um, and it looks to me like for every good empathic reflection, there's a bad one that balances out. So it's a wash. So so I think one of the bad habits is thinking that empathy is just mirroring responses, and by themselves, those things don't work. So I I know this is a, you know, it was a big question to start with, can we learn empathy? So I'm now going to ask you a maybe trickier question, Robert, Mm -hmm. is um, you probably don't usually deal in tips, but if you had a tip for anyone listening that isn't going to go into an empathy training, what what would the tip be for them? What would be the most useful thing that they could do? I think to be curious about other people. I think that's really important. Uh, curiosity is really important. And I mean, I have actually a list of 15 tips <laughs> I created for, you know, when I was thinking about, uh, you know, talking to you. Um, but for me, it always starts with curiosity. Um, and the particular kind of curio- curiosity, which is not um, a kind of a, a more cognitive, uh, you know, dissecting kind of curiosity. It's more a a compassionate curiosity, you know, being genuinely interested in another, this other person who's in front of me um, for who they are, um, for not as an end to something else, but actually in and of themselves, just being, wanting to know this person in front of me as another fellow human being. Uh, For me, it's, it all goes back to that. So you've got a list of fifteen tips. I don't want to, I don't want you to have wasted your time, Robert, writing those fifteen tips. I'm wondering whether you'd want to pick out number two, three, and four maybe before we finish. Or, you know, I could send you them and if you've got a link, you can put a link to it on a website or something. But let me see. Okay. Um yeah, so stop suppressing our natural empathic resonance. Like, you know, like stop stopping ourselves from letting ourselves feel with the people around us. That would be another one. Yeah. Um actively trying to imagine being that other person yeah maybe if you're not taking a counseling class but you can you can ask other people to let us let you practice with them don't practice with them without asking their permission (laughs) that would be a a sort Mm -hmm. of side tip right um yeah don't like when i when i first learned empathic reflections mirroring responses i went home and started trying them out on my partner 
And I got two of them out before she said, don't you give me those stupid empathy responses, Robert. <laughs> right? you know, so like, I learned to get much more subtle about them and, and to ask people's permission. Um, and I think learning how to calm ourselves in the presence of someone else's pain. In other words, to let it in and regulate our own emotions so we can be in the presence of their pain. One of the greatest honors I think we can give to each other as human beings is hearing another person through their pain. And so, you know, what we, whatever we can do to learn how to withstand and hold someone else's pain. And it might be, you know, that we've got other people to support us. It might be that we imagine taking a half step backward, but, you know, building our own personal emotional resilience so we can actually um, be there for other people That's and witness their pain. I think that's really important. Fabulous. That's more than tips. That's wisdom, Robert. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. Thank you very much. And we can link something through the website, but um, for now, I'd just like to thank you very much for joining me, Professor Emeritus Robert Elliott. It's been a pleasure, Lou. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening in. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast and the people you've heard speaking, as well as more episodes, go to our website, emotionfocused.com. 